Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp experience or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. In this week's episode, I am bringing you a special treat. We are meeting none other than Caitlin Lowe, the host of the Silver on the Sage podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to remembering the film on experience. I first found her podcast when Flickr mentioned it in her interview earlier this year and immediately fell in love with the beautiful storytelling that Caitlin cultivates. This episode dives into her own camp experience, starting with Nebraska 4-H and transitions to how her family became involved by working at Philmont. Caitlin describes why she started her podcast and the process behind recording an album highlighting Philmont music. I know that you will absolutely enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's meet Caitlin. Caitlin, welcome to the Camp Kids podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us. Let's first hear about who you are and where you're speaking to us from today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I am coming to you from Lincoln, Nebraska. I actually just moved back home. This is my hometown. I had been in Des Moines, Iowa for about three years before this. So uh, really excited. This is my first interview um, here back home. So it feels good. That's so awesome. And fun fact, I was also born in Lincoln, Nebraska. That was my hometown. Well, tell us a little bit about your background camp experience. Did you attend camp as a camper? And if so, with what kind of camps, with what organizations, and for how long? Sure, yeah. So I was kind of the tomboy of three sisters, um, and they were kind of all into, like, you know, dance and theater, and I was always just kind of outside doing my own thing. And so I really got into going to local 4-H camps, and then I went on to attend as a a mentor and a counselor and then officially full-time camp staff. And the most impactful spot for me was Halsey State 4-H Camp, which actually is no longer uh, with us. There was a really bad fire just this last year and the camp is now gone. Um, But that's where most of my formative memories were and where camp really became a deep-rooted part of my identity. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your camp. I totally empathize with you on that, and I I feel your loss as well as everybody else who experienced amazing outdoor adventures there as well. Um, I do have to ask, I, I'm not very familiar with the 4-H organization. When you were working at camp, did you work all summer long, or was it on kind of like a weekly basis? Sure, yeah. So the counselor and the mentor position, uh, those two were more on a weekly basis and you would kind of come and go and maybe sign up for two to three camps a summer. And then the we were just called like the camp staff. Uh, we would be there then for the whole summer. I, I mean, I know I was at least 16 because I drove out there. So um, and we lived in uh, there was one main cabin where I think the nine of us lived. So that was really like the pinnacle. And that was just it's just like nothing else um, to be able to be that young and live with all these people that have like-minded values but are also different and so they bring in a lot of newness and it's just a really cool growth opportunity yeah absolutely man that must have been a big cabin to have nine individuals yeah. <laughs> it was it was really like a small dorm or like a small house Well, tell us a little bit more about your experience as a staff member. What were some of the facilities that you worked at and some positions that you've held? 
I don't think all these camps are still this way today, but there were three 4-H camps in Nebraska, and I sort of hopped around and worked at several of them when I was just a mentor. And then after that, I jumped to Philmont Scout Ranch, and I spent seven summers there on on staff where I was out there the whole summer. That's incredible. What were some of the roles that you had at Philmont? Yeah, so at Philmont, I started out as a program counselor, which is kind of the base base level entry position if you're in the backcountry, if you're not at the base camp. So Philmont has, I think it's 34 backcountry camps today. At one point, I think it was 36, but the recent fire in 2018 um, bumped it back a few. So I think there's around 34 backcountry camps today. And um, I worked at Bobien, which is like a horse camp, if you will, like a Western outfitter style camp. And then um, my second summer on staff, I worked at a camp called Crooked Creek. And that is, there are only two camps at Philmont that don't have road access. One of them is Crooked Creek and the other is Black Mountain. And so that was a really interesting summer because you have to hike in and hike out all of your food and this and that. And obviously there's no road that can get super close. So if you have challenges, definitely a growth opportunity. And then I worked I came down to base camp my third summer and I worked as a photographer for the news and photo department, which was great because I got to hike a lot and see a lot of film on it that summer. And then I hopped to the backcountry again and this time as a camp director. So the camp director is kind of the next level up from the program counselor where as a camp director, you're the director of, of the camp you're working at. And I was at fish camp that summer, which is a beautiful historic living history camp where you're portraying the family and friends of Wade Phillips. And that summer was really impactful for me. And just you teach kids how to tie flies and fly fish and you're by this beautiful river. Um, So fish camp was beautiful. Uh, Let's see. The next summer I was a camp director at Abreu, which is another living history camp, again, portraying a historic family out there. And that one was also a great summer got to really like test my leadership skills at that point, being a second year camp director. My sixth summer, I was a camp director at Bobien, which was kind of a cool full circle because that's where I had started. And then my last summer, I was a backcountry manager. So there are typically four backcountry managers and they are really, they're, they're there for all the camp directors and they help train camp directors and help make sure their facilities are running correctly. And that is a it's a unique position because you spend a lot of your time driving and traveling through the backcountry, visiting camps, and also kind of just being available for whatever Philmont needs of you. So it's a really dynamic position. That was also a challenging year for me because it's a lot different from going living in the backcountry all summer to kind of being more at base camp. So that was my experience in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Thank you for diving deep into that. I know we've got some listeners who have either trekked at Philmont or are very interested in it. So I know that they'll be interested to know of all of the different places that you are at. Now, I'm very curious to know, how did you find out about Philmont? Yeah, I, um, my dad worked at Philmont just for one summer when he was 19 or 20 years old. And when I was little, he would, you know, be putting putting me and my sisters to bed and he would tell us stories of this camp in the mountains and sing us songs that he learned at Philmont. And I just thought it was this 
you know, mythical place <laughs> and lo and behold, it, it exists. And I just always remembered thinking I have to go, I have to check it out. So um, he's the reason. <laughs> now I know when I was going up through scouts, I was involved in what was called like a venture crew. And that mm-hmm. was before girls were accepted into the BSA. Was that offered at your time or was this your first experience with scouting BSA? So this was my first experience with scouting BSA. I I think it was offered at the time. I just wasn't exposed to it for whatever reason, you know, like my school, my church, my parents, it just never came up, at least in my memory, as, as an opportunity for me. It's often something I think about, though, because I definitely would have loved to have had that opportunity as a youth because I've actually never been on a trek at Philmont, which I do want to do, and I'll, I'll get to it at some point. But um, it didn't come up. I was kind of more involved in the 4-H world. Um, so that's the route I went instead. Yeah, I, t- I totally understand that. Now, in your words, how would you say that a high adventure facility such as Philmont differs from a 4-H camp or a different type of resident camp? Yeah, it is definitely different. Philmont is, um, it's just this, it's really like its own little city, its own little world. Uh, A lot of people refer to it as a machine even. I mean, they have their own commissary, their own carpentry department. They have a, the infirmary is like a mini hospital. I mean, it's just really massive the land itself is so vast. And then the number of participants that come through is really high too. So I think it differs in that, at least for a staff member, you're really challenged to take on levels of responsibility that I don't think you would be offered. Like, I think you'd have to like, you know, work five or six or seven years in a company or at a resident camp to then be given certain levels of responsibility typically. And at Philmont, in my experience, you're really trusted and delegated with levels of responsibility that you otherwise would not have. It's kind of this perfect collision of you're in your college years, you're in these like incredible mountains, which kind of feel like their own little universe. And you're living typically, whether you're in the backcountry or at base camp, you're living in your own little family unit. And so you have this really unique chance to figure out who you are and who you want to be and learn things from your peers in a really safe environment, like a really welcoming place to be vulnerable. Wow, that was beautifully put. (laughs) For sharing. (laughs) Sure. I've only been out to Philmont once, uh, and that was just kind of to see it to say that I had been there because we were passing through. So I'm very curious to hear a little bit more about the backcountry. It's my understanding, like, if you're staying out in the backcountry, there are no beds. Is that correct? (laughs) So, yes and no. If you're on staff, we call them foamies. So there's, like, a cot, and then a foamy is the mattress. If you're a staff member at a backcountry camp, you have your cot and your foamy. Otherwise, if you're on trek or if you're a staff member on days off and you're hiking around, you know, unless you can, like borrow your friend's phobia on days off or, you know, yeah, you're, you're, otherwise you're on your own. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> I, I was always, I was interested about that. I'm like, so are you living out of your backpack the entire summer? If you're <laughs> in the back country? Um, back in the day, like in the nineties, people would go out with, you know, like 
trunks. And now today when you, um, it's called scatter, when you scatter to the backcountry at the beginning of the summer, most people have like, you know, two or three duffel bags, but uh, rangers, they do live out of their backpacks, but um, they take crews out every, you know, two to three days and then they rotate back through base camp. So they have a tent in base camp with a bed where they stay when they're not taking a crew out. Now you mentioned you want to go back on trek. Is there just treks for youth that you would have to be on or is there treks also just for adults as well? Philmont's been changing, I think, in the last several years, definitely in the last decade to open its doors to more than just scouters. And I think that's really exciting. For staff members, you can go on a uh, Philmont Staff Association PSA trek. And that's kind of where you get together with a bunch of your friends that you are on staff with and you say, hey, let's all go on a trek and you go together and you get to make your own itinerary. And um, it's kind of more of like a, it it can be more of like a leisure experience. I mean, if you want to do 60 miles, you can, but usually it's, it's a little more of like a vacation. Um, And then there's also other opportunities to get into the backcountry at Philmont. There's Cavalcade, which is experiencing Philmont on horseback. And you can do that in the fall, which is a really beautiful time to be at the ranch. And there's also the Philmont trail race, which just happened a few weeks ago where you can go run or walk with intention um, some of the backcountry trails and that's open to the general public as well. Yeah I think it's definitely going to be on my bucket list to do the trail race out there. I've been a runner in the past. I've taken a little bit of a break because the unfortunately the first marathon that I signed up for was a trail race and I didn't know it until I got out there. So I'm like oh yeah no now I can do it. Now I know for sure. So yeah. I'm not a runner, but I want to do it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, I know that you said that your father worked at Philmont. Was Philmont also a big part of your family as well? Yeah. So my dad worked out there and then I was the next one to go. And then after that, I sort of drug all my sisters into it. There was no one point in time where we were all out there together because of uh, my youngest sister's age, but because you, you have to be 18 to work on staff. But um, we all did work at Philmont. My mom is the only person who hasn't worked there, but she says she's going to go work a summer at some point. And be, she wants to like, <laughs> yeah, be a cook in the backcountry because she loves to cook. So it really, yeah, it became a big part of our family. It still is a big part of our family today. And it was super cool to experience it with my sisters because we're all very, very close and we're, you know, we have our similarities, but also our differences. So it was fun to see it through all their eyes and do it together. As I've been doing this podcast, I've been meeting more people where the camp experience or the outdoor experience has been a big part of the family and the whole family has been getting involved. And I think that if you can get your family involved, that does help with the longevity of the organization or of the program to move it forward. So I love that your whole family was really encompassed in that experience. Now, I I do have to ask, Do you all have camp names or have you all just gone by your first names when you've been a part of this experience? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I was listening to a couple of your episodes, you know, discussing the camp names. You know, I would say in general, Philmont doesn't really have that that part of their culture. There are definitely people in the backcountry who will take on a more of like an interpretive or a living history name for the sake of the character they're portraying. But it doesn't, it it isn't quite the same as how I've heard your 
other interviewees describe it like almost like a trail name, like when you're on the Appalachian Trail, you know, I've heard of a similar experience like that. But uh, we all just went by our names unless we were portraying a character at a, at a certain camp. As I've been finding other people from other organizations, it's it's mostly just a Girl Scout thing from what I found. Okay, yeah. And everything. But it does kind of flip over into the YMCA and other stuff too. So I, I always have to ask just to see if it's yeah. a part of the lore of everything. I, I like it. I think it's a cool part of creating your own identity at camp because I think when you're at camp, you're different than when you are at home. And I, when I was listening to those episodes, I was like, my brain was like, Oh, what would my name be? This is kind of fun. <laughs> so yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can't imagine who I would be if I was not Joe Bob. So that's, yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally am hundred percent for it. Well, as a musician, I would love to hear you describe a little bit about how music plays an integral part of the film on experience. Oh man, yeah. There's like a cult following at Philmont as far as the music goes. And um it has just gotten like more and more impressive over the years. The talent of people out there is really crazy. The backcountry camps, I'd say at least half of them have an evening program that involves music, whether it's a campfire or the stomp at Cypher's Mine. And so Going and seeing your friends play music or planning with your camp what your show is going to be and then practicing and getting it amped up and excited before scatter, before the season starts. It's just this like energy and it's just everyone's kind of buzzing and everyone gets together and practices and there's these big jam sessions. And it is it's almost like being at a mini music festival sometimes. Um, So there is definitely a music vibe at Philmont that's in my mind untouchable or unlike anything else I've experienced uh sort of like that that moment everyone feels like a little moment of fame I I grew up singing my family is very like musical theater and at every holiday we're always singing like I just thought that's how everyone grew up uh, <laughs> but I I can't I don't have any memory of a Christmas where we didn't all sit around and sing Christmas tunes before opening presents, grandma, aunt, uncle, like everybody. Um, It was really awesome to carry that into my film experience. And the music is so moving too. It's kind of this like mix of history, you know, because the mountains out there are so full of history. Uh, So it's like, you've got this past vibe and then also uh bringing in kind of like you know whatever's popular at the time so kind of melding those two things together it's really fun to see how people entertain the scouts and and have shows that are both impactful and educational but also relatable and funny and it's really impressive honestly so I um, feel really lucky to be a part of that and to be surrounded by so many really incredible musicians throughout my time there. So for some of my listeners who may not know what a stomp is, would you mind describing what a stomp is? (laughs) Yeah. So um, there's a camp in the backcountry called Cypher's Mine, and it's a mining camp. They have a, you can go on a mine tour there. You can work in the forge. You can pan for gold. And then you can, in the evening, you can come and watch the stomp and there's a big cabin actually it's not that big but um it gets packed with scouts and advisors and 
people on days off and every evening the staff performs a show and it's different from a campfire because you're in this cabin. And so usually there's some involvement every year where there's a song or two where you get people stomping or clapping and just the whole cabin just like, you know, quakes. And it's just this like booming energy uh, in the evening after a long day on the trail or whatever. And uh, it's it's known to have, you know, one of the best shows on the ranch. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners, how do you continue to stay connected to the Philmont community? I stay connected, obviously, through the podcast that I host because it's an alumni show. And so I talk to Philmont people all the time. <laughs> but I also really try to stay available to go to the ranch at least once a year. And it is a hard place to get to. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I, you know, I have three young kiddos, but I really try to make the budget work and make the timing work to actually be there because it's so much more meaningful when I can continue to return and, you know, put my feet on the ground and meet the staff members that are doing it now and living it now and connect with them too. So some of the interviews I do that are the most meaningful are the ones with current staff members, you know, because they're living it. And um, it's really beautiful to hear what has changed and what stayed the same. And just sort of that generational mix, I really feel impacted by personally. And then I also, aside from the podcast and being there in person, I have served on the Philmont Staff Association board. So that was really rewarding. And then um, I just like my best friends are all Philmont people. So it's just inevitable that it's going to be a part of my life forever. When, yeah, when you meet people that are your people, that are your family, I mean, you're always going to be connected. I yes. Totally family, that. family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what, tell our listeners, what inspired you to start the Silver on the Sage podcast? Um, <laughs> There's like the boring answer, you know, is like, I was like getting into podcasts and I was like, oh, surely there's a film podcast and there wasn't really anything out there. And then I was also kind of lonely because I just moved and was missing my film friends and wanted to just chat with them all the time. But I was, I was really thinking about this question because I think what I've learned, so I, I've almost been doing the podcast for three years. And I think what I've learned about myself in relation to Philmont and and maybe why like deep down, I started the podcast. I think I really, I know I really love getting people together. <laughs> I just have this affinity for collaborating and bringing the best of the best people together to share memories, share music, share hardships. Um, I just think there's really important magic in doing life together and isolation is the dream killer. And so I think that that is really what fueled me to, to start this thing. And it's also what keeps me going. Thank you for sharing. You said it's almost been three years now. Yeah. In, in January, it'll be three years. Wow. That's incredible. I love that. What's been the most rewarding part of your podcast experience so far? I would say, um, I thought, you know, like when I was, well, okay, it's been 10 years this year since I've been on staff at Philmont. So it's been a decade ago that I was actually on staff. And um, at that time, 
a decade ago, I thought I thought that I had already made the deepest friendships and the deepest connections. And I was so grateful. And I had this amazing family. Um, but the podcast <laughs> has proved me wrong and blown me away time and time again. Um, and I've just continued to make incredible connections and friendships and people are so generous and loving and uh, just it gives you like that good hope and humanity feeling <laughs> um, to know that there's really incredible people out there that I have yet to meet. Now, I will say for all of our listeners, I found out about your podcast in February for the first time after I'd been doing mine for a minute. I had a listener share your podcast with me and I started listening to your podcast and I had never been to Philmont before. I had friends in my life who had been to Philmont. So I'd had an idea of kind of what this magical place was. And then I started listening to your podcast and I felt like I knew Philmont. Like I, I listened to all of your episodes. I'm, I'm a subscriber <laughs> of your podcast. And I feel like I could go on, I could go in the backcountry and be like, all right, well, I think that if I look at a map, I can figure out where some of these camps are. Yes. Good. That's awesome. That's great. The way great. That you capture stories is just so genuine and so real, even for someone who is an outsider, but who have, may have had a camp experience can still enjoy your podcast and still enjoy listening and want to be able to go there. That's, I mean, honestly, why I went out in June and made my husband stop on the way back from our honeymoon, because I was like, I have to set my feet on this ground. Like I have yes. to know what this is about. And I went on a very interesting time because it was, I think, right after they had scattered okay. or maybe it was right before they had scattered, but there were no, there were no like visitors on camp just yet they were coming like the following day or the following couple of days and so there was like this buzz and excitement in the air mm -hmm. and like all the staff members were like talking to each other like I've been here for many many years and blah 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 and my grandpa used to work here and there was just this excitement in the air and it was absolutely incredible to be able to witness and it's like I wanted to go up to them so bad and be like I'm a fellow camp person. Like I understand <laughs> what you're saying, but I don't know anything about Philmont. And so it was very, it's a very interesting experience, but even just from an outsider, like you can still feel the wonderfulness, the love, the community that you, that you now have a platform to share with the world because of your podcast. So I wanted to share that with you in case you didn't know that already. Yeah. Thank I, you. I feel yeah. connected, even though I've never been on Trek. I've, I've only just known people to be able to experience that. So thank you so much. That's super meaningful to me. And that's really the hope of probably any podcast host is that people can take it and find what they need in it to, to be meaningful for their life. And so I love that you were there and in that buzz and, you know, it's probably a good thing you didn't say anything because they probably would have like sucked you and you probably would have never left. <laughs> Because they, they would have been like, well, you're one of us. Like, just stay on staff. We need extra, you know, people at this camp. So, yeah, I hope you get back and I hope you get to get out there and enjoy it. And if you need any help, I'll, I can hook you up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That would be really cool to be able to experience something like that. But it's my understanding that to work at Philmont, they don't necessarily adopt the idea of sessionals. They, they essentially want you to be able to work for the entirety of their dates. Is that correct? In my experience, yes, there is room for flexibility. Um, I know that the last few years, 
they've had struggles um, staffing, like getting enough staff members to run the summer. So I do know that, you know, in those cases, they're like, I, I know many, many people who have worked just a half summer. So it's definitely not a black and white thing at yeah. this point. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of organizations do that too, just because kids are busy. I mean, yes. They're yes. trying to get internships or yep. they've got other commitments that are going on. And so I know like, at least through the Girl Scouts organization, I've been able to play sessionals at a lot of different facilities. And that's been awesome because then I get to go and experience something new. They definitely would not turn you away, especially with, <laughs> with all your credentials. So yeah. I just have so little like backpacking experience. I'm actually getting ready to go on my first, well, it's, I think it's three day to two overnights on a backpacking trip in Arkansas. I have not been on a backpacking trip longer than that either. <laughs> okay. That's good to yeah, know. <laughs> you're totally fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. Yeah. I'm building it all up in my head that like I got to pack out all my meals for the whole summer. And <laughs> I guess it's not really that. It's it's a little bit easier. So yeah, you yeah, you would just be just fine. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. That makes me feel very hopeful that maybe Philmont will be in my future someday. Well, I would love for you to also tell our listeners a little bit about the album that you and your family put together. Yeah. So <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to take it back to sort of the origin here. My first interview I did for the podcast, like at Philmont, um, was with uh, my friend Larry McLaughlin, and he got really excited and, and set up the interview so that we were in the backcountry, it was this beautiful day in September and um, just kind of did this long extended Silver on the Sage podcast at Philmont moment, which I'm super grateful to him for setting that up because it's one of my favorite memories. And while we were there, we got to talk in and he recorded an album with a bunch of incredible Philmont musicians back in the 90s and their band name is the Tabasco Donkeys. And they have two albums and they're, they're pretty much, I mean, they're very like Philmont famous. So anyways, we got to talking and I was like, you know what, I'm going to record an album because <laughs> that's what I do apparently. And so I, I went back home and I just had all this really excited energy to record an album for Philmont, for the Philmont community, but also like highlighting female vocalists because there wasn't really an all girl type band in the Philmont world. Uh, and so I thought like, oh, this is a cool, fun little niche. And then I looped in my husband and my brother-in-law and we decided to record this album and we decided to call ourselves the Calico Stray. And our album title is No Time for Caution. And we recorded it in my basement in Iowa. And it was a super fun challenging experience and it gave me a lot of appreciation for musicians just being able to again loop in that impactful music that is such a part of the Philmont culture and choose the songs we wanted to sing and also songs that we grew up hearing from my dad so it was really kind of this mix of this is for the listeners for the podcast for the Philmont staff but also for my family you know because uh, as my sisters and I so it was really it was just fun. Like life gets busy and stressful. And this was just a fun project that we can, that we can do and share. And so I, I don't know if you've listened to much, but I, I really 
it's it just always makes me smile when I think of the memories of doing that album. Oh, I, I love hearing all of that. And yes, I have listened to the album. I have quite a few of your songs and the Tabasco song, Donkey songs on a specific camp playlist. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so I ran into a Philmont person when I was just recently at a Girl Scout camp in Washington. And we had a moment where I was like, they were telling me about their Philmont experience. And I started singing, uh, I think, out of, I can't remember either. It was Fire on the Mountain or another Tabasco donkey, donkey song. I don't mind. And they started singing along. I'm like, this is what I've waited for my entire life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone else understand the Tabasco donkeys. <laughs> in my life. Yeah. So, but yeah, I... I absolutely love the album that you all put together. Uh, were all of the songs besides Confluence um, folk songs that have been sung for many, many years? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The um, uh, All of them except for Confluence were covers. And um, Confluence was written by Dylan, my brother-in-law, who also... It, Confluence is the extended version of the Silver on the Sage podcast song. And um, the others were you know, a list of like 30 songs that we narrowed down to a shorter list and decided to sing. Uh, and we tried to pick ones that maybe could still be sung at a backcountry show or had been sung at one in the past, just to kind of loop in the generations. My my favorite one off of the album is the Mexico yeah. Mind Disaster. Yes, um, yes. It forever just sits with me and I love it. And so I'm a choir person. I sing in a semi-professional choir here in Kansas City. And one of my goals one day is to have like a professional women's chorus. Ooh. What if that was like a women's chorus arrangement song? Like that yeah. would be that would be absolutely incredible just to hear it. Because I love that you have it a cappella, just a woman's voice singing that song. It's just, it's brilliant. I'm so glad you enjoy that song. That was my sister, Carly. I just saw her tonight. Oh. <laughs> and um Originally, we were going to have Claire sing that song. And then Carly said, you know, I, I'd love to sing it a cappella. And Claire was like, yeah, that's I think you should. And Carly worked at Cypher's Mind. So she had a connection to, you know, a woman, a, a female's perspective of if there was a mind disaster. And she also had, you know, she has three boys. So she had the connection to like, if your son died in the mine or a husband. And every time I hear it, we just get chills. It's a really haunting tune. It is. And so beautiful. She did yeah. such a good job with that. Well, do you think that you all will maybe record a second album? So Dylan and I really, um, we were kind of, we spearheaded the whole album project and then just made everybody else sing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, no, him and I were always looking at each other like, oh, this one's got to be on the next album. This one's got to be on the, on the next album. And we bought all the equipment. So we have the equipment. And as long as we have a room that is good enough to record I would say yes absolutely and I'm also uh, I also keep trying to get um, the Tabasco donkeys to do a third album so I'm nudging that energy yes. too <laughs> yeah yeah that would be incredible well I wanted to ask too since your family is so integral and a part of the whole scouting and Philmont experience and if I understand correctly too your husband also worked at Philmont as well correct correct yes and I apologize, I don't know the age of your kids or anything, but are they involved in scouting or do you stay involved in scouting in Nebraska in any way? 
Yeah, sure. So my oldest kiddo, she's seven and um, she was in scouts in Iowa um, this last year. She went to Camp Matigua out there and did an overnight and loved it. Um, she also, she, she loved camp, going to camp, doing that overnight, but there weren't girls her age in her unit. So we actually hopped over to Girl Scouts and she loved that. So we did that again in Iowa and she's been asking me, you know, if we can get back into Girl Scouts here in Nebraska. So I think that's the route we're going to go at this point for, for her. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great that you guys are staying connected that way. Yeah. Well, is there anything on the horizon for the Silver on the Sage podcast as well? Yeah, I I have some really fun mini series coming up. I'm I'm going to invite in the the advisor group and try to highlight that role at Philmont. So that's the adults, the adults that that go with the youth on track. And so I have an advisor mini series coming up, which sort of branches away because technically it's an alumni podcast, but I'm excited to get uh, more perspectives in. And then I, um, this last summer, I went to the ranch over the 4th of July and I recorded like a sights and sounds episode. So I just recorded like the sound of my boots hiking and the stream crossing and, you know, like the stomp. I was at Cypher's Mine. So I'm really excited to edit um, and produce that one because it's sort of like, you know, a meditative or just put on in the background and you kind of feel like you're there. So those are two like projects I'm excited about. And then I, I'm really eager to do more collaborating. I really like doing the podcast with other people who have ideas for the podcast. So I have some hopes to collaborate more with other Philmont talent and um, just kind of keep it like maybe bring some new energy into it um, to keep it fresh and new. So those are my, my thoughts. My, like my big dream <laughs> is to do, I don't know, like I, I just, I like, I do love to be in person with people. And so I have these, you know, kind of crazy lofty goals to maybe do silver on the stage podcast lives where I'm in person with maybe five to 10 people. And we just like sit around a campfire and, and chat. And so maybe something like that'll come up in the Midwest and I can gather a group of people here in Nebraska. There you go. That yeah. Awesome. I, I love that all your ideas. Oh my gosh. That makes me so excited as a listener to be on the lookout for all of those. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I, and I feel you there too. I was at a camp wedding this last weekend where a lot of people who I had interviewed on the podcast were there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're fine. Like we're, we're here, we're all together and it's incredible. And we haven't been in the same place for like seven, six, five years. It, it is a different energy when you can revisit your camp or your outdoor experience again, older, you're more reflective. I, I mean, I think the reason why I started my podcast is really just as another way of therapy, to be honest. Yeah, totally. I, I love the idea of being able to then bring people together and to share your experiences together and in person. I would, I know for myself, I would love to be able to have a reunion of some sort. So Exactly. I'm very curious and anxious to see if you guys are able to, to get together and to be able to record that experience as well. Yeah, I have my fingers crossed. <laughs> but I would love to hear what is the most important lesson that you've learned from your camp or outdoor experience? Mm, hold on. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. 
Most important. Okay. It's sort of a twofold answer, but um, I got to take it back to my parents and growing up, my parents always encouraged, especially my dad encouraged having conversations that maybe were controversial or two-sided or this or that. And like, you know, we'd sort of each pitch in and well, what about this? And what about this? And have these different viewpoints, um, usually over the dinner table or wherever. And so I sort of grew up in that environment of um, open-mindedness and considering other people's perspectives. And that really set me up really well for camp, especially someplace like Philmont, where you have staff and participants from all over the country and even all over the world. And so I think one of the most important lessons at Philmont is just that, that you, you know, just to be open-minded and people, they take a while to come out of their shell or maybe they're really eager right away. And then, you know, once you get to know them a little better, you know, we all deep down, you know, want happiness in life, however that looks for other people. And um, twofold in that, I think any opportunity you have ever in life to be there for someone to express that you love somebody, you just need to go ahead and do that and don't hesitate. Well, I'll kind of dive into my final fun uh, campy questions here at the end. Yeah. Okay. Now, I normally ask people what their favorite camp song is, but I want to reframe this question for you because I want to see what your response will be. Imagine that you're at, back at Philmont. And you're sitting at either the stomp or um, a show or a campfire, and you've been waiting all year to hear one song. What song would that be? Um, that would be Peggyo by the Grateful Dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't Do you know? know that one. No, I'll have to look it up. Um, I actually don't love the Dead's version of it, <laughs> but. <laughs> Because I first ever heard it at Philmont. And so, you know, that person singing at that camp, that's how I have it in my head. But I I love that song. Yeah, it must really be a mix then. Because, gosh, I mean, I've seen playlists like online of like Philmont music and, you know, they'll have some country in there. But I yeah. wouldn't have thought of the Grateful Dead. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge mix. Yeah, it's a very dynamic, really fun music genre <laughs> in and of itself. My next question for you is what is your favorite camp meal? Hmm. So are we talking like, okay, so at Philmont in the backcountry, you are brought a, a commissary delivery once a week. So they bring you like as if someone went to the grocery store and bought you food. Then there's also trail meals, which is what the crew's eat and carry on the trail but sometimes the staff will like get a trail meal if they're hiking on days off or they just want to try it so which do you want me to answer <laughs> I mean you can do either or both when I originally came up with this question I was like oh yeah a meal that you cook over the fire and then everybody oh. cafeteria meal instead <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. funny I love this um I think this is super silly, but for me, it's a little person. It's more personal, I guess, but for society, it's boring, but it would be like just a BLT because <laughs> I never really had a BLT until I got to camp for whatever reason. <laughs> and so I have tons of memories of coming in, grabbing a quick 
BLD and then, you know, coming in for lunch and then going back out and doing more program with the scouts. And so that just hits home. So then does each camp have their own like kitchen, I would say? Yep. Every camp has its own kitchen. Um, Yeah. Some are much smaller than others, but um, like the larger camps, it's almost like half the cabin. Yeah. Very cool. Well, what is your favorite camp or favorite Philmont tradition? Hmm. Okay. This is maybe a little, some people won't like this answer, but it's a tradition that's gone now, but okay. So there, uh, some of the camps that Philmont, the backcountry camps used to be just specifically staffed by all male staff members. And now those camps also have women staffed at them. Um, but in my time, there were a handful of all male camps and those were my favorite camps to visit. And so I miss that a little, but I'm also totally aware and glad and understand the opportunity for women to be at those camps. But um, there's something about an all male backcountry vibe that's just youthful and energetic and crazy. And um, it was really fun to visit those camps. Those were my favorite camps to visit. Well, you've worked kind of at a lot of different program areas. I would love to know what is your favorite program area? I think sort of blanket statement overall, I just love the living history program aspect where you get to live this character, live in this time period, dress in these certain clothes and um, take a break from modern society for yourself. And then also give a cool perspective on history and, and educate the scouts while also making it hands-on and fun. And I think within the living history program, my favorite one that I did was at fish camp, just because it's just this beautiful historic lodge and it just really, I don't know, kind of seeped into my soul. That cat is just down in a canyon and I'm actually staring at a picture of it right now. It's my background on my computer, uh, fish camp and catching trout in the stream. And it was just this serene moment in my life that I go back to when, when things are stressful. That's beautiful. I love that you have that nearby that you can always tap into that if you're as you said, feeling stressed or something like that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I'm wanting my podcasts to go on for a very long time and to continue to reach new people who share this camp or outdoor experience. So I always ask my guests, who should I interview next? Um, can it be like any camp anywhere ever? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, what are uh, that one in Minnesota? That's hold on. It's Camp Lake Hubert and Camp Lincoln. And Camp Lincoln is the boys' camp. Camp Lake Hubert is the girls' camp. And I think they opened like in, in the 1920s. Oh, okay. Um, my sister worked there on staff for one season. And it just seems like it has a lot of rich history and beautiful setting on the lakes up there in Minnesota. And then secondly, I think it'd be really interesting to hear from the Halsey State for H camp staff, since it is gone now, I think it'd be beautiful to highlight a story from that camp. So anyone who worked there would be awesome. And I know now that I've had your voice speaking about Philmont, I want to get someone like from Seabase as well. Yeah, <laughs> totally. The other, yeah, the other bases, Seabase, Northern Tier, or the Summit would be, yeah, go-tos for sure. Well, is there anything exciting that's happening in your life or with the podcast that you want to promote to our listeners? Hmm. I do have 
Um, I'm kind of a big dreamer. <laughs> I do have high hopes to um, do some sort of maybe coffee table book or some sort of book coming out to highlight our my three, three year anniversary in January. I don't know if I'm going to hit that mark, but at some point I hope to publish uh, a book. So I'm working on that right now, slowly, but slowly, but surely. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. Yes. I hope that that project is what can get well underway and yeah, we can all have it on our coffee tables. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. It's, it's fun. Well, where can people find you if they want to contact you or follow you? Silver on the Sage podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're out there. And I don't do a ton of social media, but anytime there's a new episode, I will share the episode and any photos or content that goes along with it. And then um, you can listen anywhere that you listen to your your podcasts. We're on all the main streams. Um, and then I also have a website. Uh, if you Google, if you Google me, you'll, hopefully it'll come up. So uh, just the usual spots. And then also I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska now. So if you're driving through, please look me up and a knock on my door. We'll hang out. And I'll absolutely attach all of those links in the show notes so that listeners can have direct and easy access to you. And as I mentioned before, if you're listening to this podcast, you're absolutely going to love the Silver on the Sage podcast. You have not, you do not need to have been at Philmont to be able to understand the complexity and beautifulness and magicalness that it encompasses. So you just do such a great job of capturing it. So Aww. you guys will all love Silver on the Sage if you aren't already listening. Well, Caitlin, that was all of the questions that I had for you. Were there any other final questions, comments, or thoughts that you wanted to share while you're on the Camp Kids podcast? Oh, my goodness. I just love what you do as well. I think it's awesome to um, bring together all the camp experiences because they are so vastly different and so similar, which I think is what is so magical about camp and why it's so important in life, especially for those formative years of our lives. But to also know that it's always there, you can always go back home. You know, there's people at Philmont that are retired, they're in their 60s or 70s, and they go back. And I just think it's this home base and this place where we can be ourselves. And I think camp, I just will always root for camp, no matter what in anyone's life, any any camp anywhere, it's always a yes. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the Camp Kids podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to interview you. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your story and energy with us. Say, did you see him coming? It was early this morning. He passed all these houses on his way to the cold. He was tall, he was slender, and his dark eyes so tender. His occupation was mine in Colfax County, his home. It was just before 12, I was feeding the children. Old Charlie came running for to bring us the news. Number eight is all flooded, many men are in danger. And we don't know their number, but we fear they're all doomed. So I took the baby and I left all the others to comfort each other and to pray for our own. There's Teddy, 14, and there's Max, not much younger. Their own time soon will be coming to go 
down the dark hole And what will I say to his poor little children And what will I tell his old mother at home And what will I say to my heart that's clear broken To my heart that's clear broken If my darling is gone And if I had the money To do more than just feed them I'd give them good learning The best to be found So when they growed up They'd be checkers and weighers Not spend their life digging In the dark underground Say did you see him coming It was early this morning He passed all these houses on his way to the coal He was tall, he was slender And his dark eyes so tender His occupation was mining Colfax County, his home All right, Camp Kids, that was Caitlin. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and to check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to others who are also a part of the camp community. Please leave us a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating so that others can find our podcast. Next week, I'll have another interview with someone else from YMCA Camp Corey. That's all that I have for you for now, but remember that this is good night and not goodbye.